GAA Sports Desk. Brought to you by the Herald, every side of Dublin. Welcome to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. In studio this evening, Suzanne Parker and myself, Peter Brannigan, and we begin by thanking Hugh and the Live Drive team for getting you home safely this evening. Live Drive returns to air tomorrow morning at 7am. Now we have a busy show coming up over the next hour or so. In the second half, we're going to be hearing from the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper. He's going to have all the latest on Camogie in the county. And we're going to be hearing from Dublin Ladies Football Selector, Circa Farrelly. They're in Lidl National League semi-final action this weekend. They're heading down to... Hey, I suppose one of the homes of Hurling down to Nolan Park in Kilkenny where they're going to be taking on Cork, the team they played the last day, although you'd imagine there's going to be a little bit of a difference in terms of team selection for that game. Of course, it's also a repeat uh, of last year's All-Ireland Senior Football Final. Before that, in the first half, we're going to be looking at club hurling and club football in Dublin uh, last weekend we had the first round of fixtures in the Dublin Senior Football Championship and we'll be getting the thoughts of Brian Talty on all of those games and of course starting from this evening and going on until Friday the second round of fixtures in the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship is taking place so we're going to get the views of Ronan McLaughlin and of Andy Cunningham on those matches and of course, three of those games will be underway before the end of the show. So before eight o'clock, I'll have score updates on uh, O'Toole's taking on Kilmucker Croaks. That is out in Parnell Park. Then in Clondalkin, you've St. Jude's taking on, uh, I suppose, maybe everyone's favourite for the title this year, Kula. And then in Group 3, out in Swords, you've Oliver Plunkett's who are taking on uh, Nave Finn Barra. So I'll have score updates on those games before eight o'clock. But indeed, we are going to begin with a preview of those matches in the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship. And earlier on this evening, I spoke with Herald journalist Ronan McLaughlin. Uh, we discussed Ballantyre St. John's the last day, and of course he was saying to us that, you know, maybe some of the players had committed more to the football side than the hurling side. They were beaten by Jude's, and unlike the teams we were just talking about, they take on a Bridget's team who also lost, and it's it's a case of not wanting to get drawn into to relegation. Yeah, I, like I'm possibly being a bit hard on those lads, in, or in terms of the hurling side of things in Ballantyre, but it's just the sense that you get that uh, football seems to be on a bit of a crest of a wave there, um, and as a result, the hurling might suffer to, to a degree as a result. They did okay against you without ever looking like they were going to win. They do have young lads coming in who are, you know, at least finding their feet at senior championship level, lads like Seamus Fenton and Ian O'Hare, and they equipped themselves reasonably well the last day, so. You know, it's 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 good for them that they have these young players coming through. Bridget, I I fancy Bridget to be far closer to Kula. The last day I was disappointed in their performance and disappointed in in obviously the way that their discipline um just basically deserted them in the second half. Um, three sendings off in the space I think about twelve minutes. That doesn't reflect well on the team one way or the other. Um, you'd expect they'll probably be a bit more disciplined, a bit more focused uh, on Friday night, and uh, I I think they'll probably have enough to win that. The other game then in O'Toole Park is Lucan and Satanta and of course he did a feature uh, this week in the Herald on the, on the Fela. Um, you know Lucan are producing loads of good underage teams a bit like Nafina I suppose and they were just pipped by Bowden a game that they again they really could have won Yeah well, they, they I wouldn't I wouldn't say they should have won it they, they certainly could have won it um, they had all the everything going for them I mean Dean Curran getting sent off after after six minutes gave them a great opportunity I suppose the move of Chris Crummy was the most interesting thing he has played forward before 
but probably not to the effect that we saw um, in the game against Ballyboden. Did very, very well, four points in play in the first half. But it's still an Achilles heel for them that they have to put Chris up there because their forwards always, they've just struggled when it comes against the really, really good teams. And they just struggled to put up a, a really good score. Uh, one fifteen, I think it was, that there, one fourteen, probably won't be enough to win an off like championship matches. Um, they look like they were hanging on, even though they had the extra pair against Ballyboden. And, you know, Ballyboden are kind of champions, you know. Um, it's not going to be easy, but... Lucan would be disappointed that they didn't even get a point from that game. At least it would have been be able to say we've something on the board. But they'll, you know, they'll they'll move on from that. Um, you know, Satan, I think the teams met last year in the championship, from what I, if I recall correctly, and that was a lot tighter than a lot of people expected. So who knows what will happen? But you think Lucan just have enough about them to um, to get the win, and I probably they deserve to be on at least two points after two games by Friday evening. Yeah, indeed. The other game in Group 4, uh, Bowden, as we've just talked about, taking on Whitehall. For Whitehall, that was a big victory against Satanta because, you know, the, the Championship games in the last few seasons have maybe gone against them when they've been taking on local rivals, but it now gives them a, a chance to have a go at the Champions uh, on Friday evening. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I, You know, I think people feel I'm always a bit tough on Bally Bowden, and maybe I am to a degree, but I, I think it will be a lot closer maybe than people anticipate. Uh, Whitehall have some very, very good players coming through with I did an interview with Joe Fortune there last week and Joe made a very valid point at this moment in time. Whitehall have two senior, two players on the Dublin Senior Hurling team and Ballyboden have none. Now, you can't look at it exactly like that because Ballyboden will always have a depth that Whitehall just won't have. But Whitehall are building up a depth of players. They're definitely like Fogs. They're definitely moving in the right direction. I think possibly you're asking maybe too much of them to, 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 to really get a positive result on Friday. But I think it'd be a lot closer than, than people would imagine. I mean, you have to remember they gave Kilma Cud their full of, their fill of it last year before retiring towards the end. They all, and you know, they conceded two early goals in that, which would have been a body blow for most teams. They also pushed Nafin all the way um, for the first 50 minutes of that game. And um, it's, you know, it's just a, uh, they're a team definitely that, that seems to be moving in the right direction. But um, you just can't go against Bally Bowden. And the way they. The way they just dug out the result, they're just great at winning tight matches and coming through. You saw it in the in the county semi final, you saw it in the county final, um, where they got the draw, you saw it in the replay where they won it. You know, they they're just a very formidable team. Um Neil Connell would be interested to see whether Colin Keeney plays from the start. He had a huge impact when he came on the last day, but they're just, you know, very familiar. They know each other's game very, very well and uh I mean, you'd expect Bally Bowden to win, but I just don't think it would be maybe as straightforward as some people would suggest. Yeah, indeed, and you mentioned uh, Conal Keeney. I suppose he's one player that Matty Kenny will be hoping stays fifth for the game against Kilkenny. And I appreciate he obviously hasn't played in league games, but he'd be a fantastic asset to have for Dublin heading into uh, the championship. Yeah, and you know, he is. And, you know, he was one of Dublin's most important players last year in the championship. And without him, we wouldn't have pushed... You know, Galway wouldn't have pushed Wexford, you wouldn't have pushed Kilkenny as, as 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 far as we did without him. But you are after an awful lot of them as well. You know, he's he's 36 now, uh, hasn't played any league hurling, um, and I, I just think it's possibly unfair to have that level of expectation on. It's probably because Dublin aren't blessed with forwards, ball winning forwards that, and the ability that Cunnell has in terms of leading the team, in terms of just driving them forward. I mean, he is an exceptional player, um, but I just think I would I, I, I would hate to see people now. You know, pinning all their hopes on him coming back because, you know, as I said, he hasn't played any league. Um, it's probably asking an awful lot of them, but obviously the more Hurling he gets under the belt, starting hopefully with, on Friday evening, the better for Dublin, better for himself. 
One game I've forgotten, of course, is out in Parnell Park. Group 3 clash between Crave Caron and Vincent's local derby. Uh, both teams won their open round. that one, Peter. <laughs> this, is, this is probably the tie of the round. Yeah. So, um, we're, I'm very much looking forward to that as well. It, it, it's, uh, it's two really, really enticing matches in Parnell Park on Good Friday. And, you know, a lot of people off as well. So you'd expect a decent crowd here. Um, very impressive crowd the last day. I mean, the issue I have with them is possibly that they're a bit slight, but uh, in, in terms of uh, moving the ball around the pitch, in terms of their pace, in terms of just the style of hurling that they're playing, it's, it's very attractive. Um, it's, it's, they're very attack-minded. Um, Keane Derwin gave a very mature performance the last day, given his age. Billy Ryland very sharp in the forwards, but he still had the older crew like your McCrabs and your Darren Kellys and people like that who were still driving it forward as well. Vincent, you just don't know. Um, I I kind of slightly disappointed with them that the way that they tailed off against Plunkett the last day. They had the game won, whatever, they were winning by 14, 15 points maybe, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes, second half. And they only won by 13 in the end. They just didn't finish the game particularly well. They were a bit messy and kind of fluting around with the ball. Uh, I would like to have seen, I don't think you would have seen possibly some of the other contenders being as sort of dropping the standards as much as they did now. It was the, the whole objective was to win the game and that's what they managed to do but you know you'd have slight concerns that they didn't um, possibly drive on they certainly won't be doing that on Friday night I mean the great local derby you'll have brothers against brothers with the two Hedersons playing which is going to I suppose add another little subplot to it um, but a really um, a game that you know whoever wins will probably be have one foot in the quarterfinals and um, it's a great opportunity Crave are just uh, they're coming up but Vincent are coming up as well if both are sort of increasing their depth all the time and that's just a game that would be very hard to call you'd possibly give it to Vincent because they've been there thereabouts the last couple of years making semi-finals whereas Crave are probably slightly behind them in that but Crave are coming at them like a train at the minute they're coming at a lot of teams like a train so very very intriguing game and um, really looking forward to it and our thanks as ever to Ronan for joining us on the show. We will be going back to the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship after the break, but before we do that, I'm just going to get the views of Brian Talty. There was a full round of fixtures in the Dublin Senior Football Championship between the middle of last week and the weekend. And uh, earlier on this evening, I spoke with Brian to get his view on those games. We look at Group 1, we look at the defending champions, and they're taking on a, a badly, very talented Ballymun team. But uh, this was a very sort of professional performance, if you will, from Kilmacoda, and uh, they started with a win. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think if you look at this, Peter, uh, all of the play, players are very pacey, you know, and uh, they, they really, they, what I like about them is that they play an attacking type of football because a lot of the teams at the moment are kind of very defensive, but uh, they go at you at pace. They defend well, but they go at you at pace as well. So uh, they're going to be a hard team to beat, you know. Yeah, and I suppose the view is, and obviously Mullen Octa uh, did really well, and we saw them putting it up to uh, Dr. Croaks in the All-Ireland semi-final, but there'd be a feeling around Kimmacud that maybe there was a Leinster title left behind there, and they'll be determined to try and drive on and, and win Dublin again and get another crack at the province. Well, if you look at the team, I suppose, you know, uh, you know, if you take the likes of maybe maybe David Nestor and... Uh, uh, Borky, Pat Burke out of it, you know, they're all reasonably young guys, like, and, uh, you know, it was an experience for them, I suppose, that the Mullinocta game was an experience for them, but I, I think that'll be at the back of the minds now, and what they'll be doing is, it's hard to get out of Dublin, Dublin, Peter, and they had a big challenge the last day in taking on the Ballymun team with all the talent that's in that team, uh, and, you know, they did very well, so I'd say you'd be looking, uh, Johnny and Robbie, Robbie Brennan would be looking at each game as they come and trying to, to win the first two games, and then they have a little bit of a rest until Dublin have the All-Ireland one, so... <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, so so that'll be that'll be the, the the focus at the minute. Like they'll focus on every game because you know you can't you can't look past the likes of uh, you know taking Ballymun on or taking the likes of St Jude's or St Vincent's. You know, so it's uh, the matter of winning each game as it comes and and then uh, and driving on after that. I can't believe you're talking about Dublin winning All-Ireland, Brian. Obviously, uh, Mayo are the favourites for the All-Ireland this year. Uh, the other game in Group 1, uh, Sylvester... Well, they might be in their own minds. <laughs> <laughs> the other game in Group 1, uh, Nafina and St. Sylvester. Uh, I suppose Nafina, a bit like uh, we've been talking about on the, the hurling side of the programme this week, loads of underage talented players and it's about getting them into senior championship and getting wins and that was a, an impressive start for them. It was a very impressive start, you know. It was disappointing for Sylvester because, you know, in fairness to Paul Clark and Keith Galvin and Shemi Hines, they put a lot of work into that team. But what they're really doing out there is uh, trying to build a team. They've, they've brought on a lot of, you know, reasonably good underage players. And, you know, to step up to take on the likes of, 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 of Nafina. Nafina has been there, thereabouts for the, the last few years at senior football. And, you know, they've won so many underage titles between under 21 and minor. A huge amount of talent there, you know. But uh, it was disappointing. I think the lads and Sylvester's would have thought they'd put on a, a better performance than they did. But um, I think the big thing for them really is, is Division Two and trying to get out of Division Two this year. Whereas Nafina, I think, would be looking at you know getting close to winning that championship. And they've introduced a few fellas. An interesting one in the middle of the field for them was a fellow called John Lawless, uh, who's a, a club man of my own in Galway, and, and you know he's. Uh, He's a tough man and they need a bit of that toughness around the middle of the field and, and they played really well. I must say, you know, I had seen them in a league match the week previous and, and they didn't play that well, but certainly in Parnell Park, you know, their pace and their power and again, they were a team that actually went at you and took you on and, you know, they defended well and once it broke, they were going at you at, at pace and, you know, with the with the men, you know, with McHugh at full forward and, and you know, a, a, a new name to me was Young Lacey, who was very good at corner forward, and then you have McHugh at full forward, you know, so they have huge amount of talent, huge amount of pace, and they really used it the last day against Sylvester's, and I suppose for Sylvester's young lads, it was a lesson, and, and uh, hopefully they'll learn from it. Absolutely, yeah, going into to Group 2, I suppose uh, Bally Bowden's senior teams in both championships had uh, comeback wins, the Hurlers did against Luke, and the footballers did it against Clontarf, and I know the wind played a, a big part in this game out in O'Toole Park, but a good win for Bowden against uh, you know, a talented Clontarf team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I'd seen Clontarf the week or two weeks previous as well, and um, you know they they lost the game, but certainly uh, they put up a huge performance the last day against Bally Borden because, again, as I said to you, I saw Bally Borden against Nafina in the league game, and the the, the usual Bally Borden team. You know, they were big, they were strong, they were physical, uh, and then of course you had and the the Pascal brothers make it tick up in the uh, up in the forward line. Uh, unfortunately for them, they were missing Collie, uh, so he 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 makes a big difference there. You know whether. Colin Keeney is going to be playing for them again or not, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I was surprised. Look, I didn't think Clontarf would get that close to them. But Clontarf in Championship down through the years have been unbelievable and, and uh, put on a good performance again the last day and probably should have won that game. And then the other game, of course, uh, between Scaries and uh, Lugan. Yeah, you know, I suppose that game last year, right, we, we were expecting, Peter, that. You know that'll be a very tight game, uh, and and because last year they played a, a very good, there was a good performance on both teams, and I think they drew in their game last last year. But uh, looking, are going very well, Peter. They're going very well in the league, and they're going very well now again in the championship, and you know put on a huge performance, and and uh, you know beat them, beat Scurries fairly well, and Scurries have been going quite well in the in the league themselves, you know. Okay, Brian, then in uh, Group 3, uh, I suppose uh, Jude's and Plunkett's, uh, a drawn game, a lot of Dublin players on either side playing against one another, and that was uh, that was an interesting tie. 
it was and it wasn't, to be honest with you. I expected it to be a much better game, to be honest with you. And it, it was a poor enough game, and, and uh, I thought I thought Jude's would put on a bigger performance. And, and you know, they, they they really struck with a, a lot of injuries this year, and, and and to major guys. And then in that game, they lost Chris Guckin as well, who has been you know who has been brilliant for them for the last two years. You know, so Jude's have been there thereabouts as regards winning the championship. Uh, the performance the last day, you wouldn't think they were going to win a championship with that performance. But um, you know, the next day they come back on again. You could get a big performance from them. But uh, it was very kind of defensive game, you know. But uh, and I suppose in the end of the day, you know, Plunkett's were unlucky not to actually win that game. And Plunkett's hadn't given themselves a big chance. You know, you're sitting there talking to the Plunkett's. Uh, Supporters and you know all they wanted was a good performance, but they got they got a really good performance, and you have to credit John O'Brien for the work that he's done because uh, certainly I, I thought they should have won that game, and, and uh, but I think there's a lot more in Jews, and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more in Jews, and some of their players just on the day didn't play very well. Yeah, indeed, and it's it's an open group, obviously, with the other results being a draw between Thomas Davis and Rahini at ten points to one seven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's wide open now, you know, and I mean, it, it, it all goes down to the next day, really, I suppose. That's, that's, um, but the, the, um, yeah, I think it's Rahini and Jews and, 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 and Davis's and Plunkett. So, you know, any of those, those games could go anywhere, Peter, to be honest with you, you know, but I, I, I still think that Jews are probably the favourites in that group, but they need to bring the performance up. I think they need to attack an awful lot more. I mean, they're really good, good forwards, you know, and, and uh, they defend very, they, they're still a defensive team, you know. And you look at the the forwards they have, like Coakley up in the forwards, uh, McMenamin, and these fellas, you know, I think they should use them up there a little bit more and get a, try and get more scores. But uh, I think they'll probably have their hands full against Rahini as well the next day, you know, because you look at the talent that Rahini have, and um, they're they're gone very defensive as well. I was just talking to a Rahini guy today, thinking, you know, if they attacked it a little bit more, like you know, Gavin Ivory up there, Owen Kyo up there, uh, Brian Howard in the forward line, Brian Fenton in the middle of the field, Shawnee McMahon, you know, these are these are really good at footballers and they're good attacking players as well I think I just get the impression that Rahini are working a little bit too much on defence and maybe should attack teams a little bit more Very finally we look at uh, Division uh, Group 4 I should say uh, Vincent's defeating St. Bridget's and I suppose Vincent's have the talented I mean players we know that there may be some talk about them being older a bit like Bally Bowden and Hurling but uh, you know they just keep coming back year on year well, when you when you look through the team, I mean, there depends what you call by older. I suppose is the thing, you know. But I suppose you look at at, at Massey Quinn. What's wrong with being older if you're if you're out there and you're you're scoring something like one eight? You know, I mean, he scored four points from play and scored four points from freeze and was massive in the game. You know, and he's I wouldn't like to say what age Massey is, but you know, uh, he, he he was fabulous. And then I suppose Aaron Varley up there as well. They, and they, they're 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 throwing in a few young fellas now as well. Like and you know you. You look at Jung Lam at cornerback and, and uh, you know, he's changed the team around a little bit as well, you know, with playing Dear McConnelly and Gavin Burke in the half back line and I suppose the reason for that and it did really work the last day, you know, that these guys are good kickers of the ball and some of the balls that Conley put in and Gavin Burke put in were, were, were massive massive balls into a forward line and when your forwards like, you know, Cormac Diamond is up there and Varley is there and Tomas Quinn is there, well, you know, if they get good ball in they're gonna get scores. They certainly got them the last day. And we would have thought, Peter, to be honest with you, that the Vincents would have won that game 
and and they did win it well, to be honest. And I think Bridget are they're they're under a little bit of pressure now out there to try and get it up and get it going again. Yeah, indeed. And uh, Castlenock had a victory over Ballantyre St John's. John's obviously improving, getting some good underage players in. Beaten by seven points by Castlenock, I suppose they'll be disappointed. But we know again, a bit like Vincent's Castlenock have the experience at this level in the last few seasons, and uh, they'll be trying to push on and, and repeat some of the successes they've had over the last few years. Well, I suppose that was the difference the last day, really. You know, and I mean the experience of actually going through a, a championship in Dublin, getting to a county final. You can't beat that, you know. So, uh, and and then you have, of course, the likes of Kieran and Kenny around there, and and uh, there's a few other good forwards that they have as well. So. Um, I, I thought it'd been tighter, you know. I think, as you say, Ballantyre are doing an awful lot of good work and have had good, good performances in a lot of their league games. And uh, but uh, it, it was a good win for Castlenock, and you know they're they're working hard again out there. And I think the manager has changed again this year. So, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they get on. Just a very final point, uh, Brian. I was talking to you about this off air. This article that's emerged today with Lee Keegan, uh, he's denouncing drink bans from GA managers. You've obviously uh, been involved playing yourself and been involved with coaching teams and all the rest of it. Uh, is that a big thing for players? Is is that a, a deal? Should players not be allowed to drink, or is it up to players to decide themselves? And we know Jimmy Keevney was famously taken from Hill 16, maybe with a few pints on him back in 1974. So you know, is it a different game nowadays? Can, can players afford to go out and have a few pints after a championship win or whatever it might be? I'm sure. I'm sure they can, as long as they don't go mental about it. Like, do you know what I mean? I mean, what's wrong with going out and having a pint or two? You know, but when you talk about Jimmy Keevney, I suppose that was a different era. But you'd imagine back then, with the way people think that that, that county footballers uh, were on the beer on a regular basis, some of them would admit to it. Others would have, would would say no that they weren't. Like, do you know what I mean? That it's up to the players themselves, and they know how to prepare. When you get to a level of inter-county football, you know what you have to do, and you know how fit you have to be, and 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 the lifestyle. They look after themselves, the majority of them anyway. You know, especially at the top teams. Um, you'd imagine after after a match, they might just go off and have a point or two, and that's enough for them. You know, so. I wouldn't be that gone on, on, on drink bans, to be honest with you, but I think a fellow must, he has to know it at a, when he's at, to, at a top level what he has to do to be in good condition for a game the next day. But even if you think in maybe recent times, someone like Colin Corkery, you know, back in 2002, 2003, he was in fantastic form, but he would famously go to press conferences and say he didn't like doing training, you know, it wasn't his thing. And he, you know, in fairness, he was a big stocky kind of fella. Even those kinds of players, you don't really see them in the game anymore at the top level. No, I mean you look at the. I mean, if you look at the shape of the guys, like it's, it's interesting from my own job out in Abbottstown, uh, watching the the intercounty players, the, the amount of effort and the amount, uh, particularly in the gym, Peter. To be honest with you, you know, and the body shape of them, you know, you haven't got any fellas going out having loads of pints and 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 ruining all the work that they do. These guys, you know, mentally and physically are right for, especially again, as I said to Peter, the top teams and maybe everybody else. I, I think anybody who plays at the intercounty level knows what he has to do to be in good condition. And why why ruin it by by you know what's wrong with a pint or two? You know what I mean. But after that, you have to look after yourself. And indeed, uh, an interesting topic, I suppose. Uh, you only get a few years at Intercounty, and as Brian suggests, uh, it's about how committed you're going to be. But at the end of the day, what difference would a pint or two make? Anyway, our thanks as ever to Brian for giving us his time this evening. Now, we are going to head out for a break a little bit early this evening, but afterwards, we're going to have more on the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship. We're going to be hearing from Dublin Ladies Football Selector, Sirka Farrelly. And we're also going to be hearing from the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brendan Cooper. GAA Sports Desk, brought to you by the Heralds, every side of Dublin. 
And welcome back to GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Remember, if you want to contact us in studio, you can. The email gasportsdesk at dublincityfm.ie. We have a Facebook page, GA Sports Desk on Dublin City FM. Or you can text us 087-977-1032. Now, we heard earlier on from Ronan McLaughlin of the Herald on his views of the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship with games taking place this evening. Uh, earlier on, I also spoke with Andy Cunningham to get his views of those matches. Johns and Bridget's both teams, as we were saying earlier on, uh, lost their opening games and uh, I suppose it's a big game for both they, they don't really heading into the summer with two defeats Yeah well if you look at the way you know the group there then you're probably looking to see who's, who's going to probably finish at, at the bottom of this this is a real relegation I think uh, uh, Bridges would say uh, uh, took a bad defeat against uh, Kula but as I say they, they had three players sent off uh, Ballantyre St John's yeah you know you just don't know Ballantyre St John's are a new team at this level Bridges have been around but, uh, you know, as I say, this week will be a very interesting match uh, out in O'Toole Park. Uh, say they'll probably be fighting, you know, because I think whoever loses this could be in the relegation battle. And the second game on O'Toole Park on Friday, also two other clubs who were beaten. Luke and Sarsfields, who really put it up to Baddy Bowden and, and possibly were unlucky not to get a draw in that game. And then uh, Satanta, who I suppose had had a good recent record against Whitehall, Column Kill, but were beaten uh, last or two weekends ago, I should say. Yes, only beaten but by Whitehall, Column Kill. Sort of a derby there, like, you know, like... You know, uh, Pretty close down clubs. Uh, Luke and Sarsfield, you know, yeah, they're doing well against Ballyboden. Uh, Ballyboden just came back and, you know, like because they're county champions and, and the experience they had, I think that just got them over the line. But Luke, Luke and, you know, you probably would fancy them in, in this one. Uh, not playing too well, you know, in the league this year, uh, Luke, but they're still, you know, they're the nucleus of a good team. You know, they've, they've strong players in vital positions and, and you would go for Luke on that one. And staying with Parnell Park, uh, Bowden and Whitehall. Uh, I suppose, as we just said a moment ago, a big win for Whitehall in, in that game, and it gives them confidence to have a crack at the champions. Yeah, that was a, a huge, a huge win for them. Like you know, they're only new to this level, you know, and and they're up in Division One, and you know, like it's great, like uh, it's great for that club to see them. They're bringing on the, the, these young lads. Uh, they have a couple of guys on the Dublin team, like Arnold Donald. What more can you say? Uh, but Bally Bowden, you know, as I say, probably a bit far against Luke and Bush. They are they are still still a serious outfit. Uh, probably maybe you know a lot of the players have been around a long time. You know the, the these Valley Bowden guys. Look, that can work work for you. Experience wise, you can't beat it when it comes to championship. Uh, Whitehall, a new team on the block. But uh, I was impressed. I've seen Whitehall a couple of times this year. They're a good team, good solid team. Uh, I've been very impressed with them. But I might be just a bit too too much of them against Ballyboden and Parnell Park. You're giving uh, Joe Fortune some quotes to put up on the dressing room wall there uh, for those Ballyboden lads. Yeah, the final yeah. game, the one that I haven't mentioned, is Crave and Vincent's. Again, both started with victories. Uh, they play in Parnell Park at six o'clock on Friday. So that that should be another kind of tight affair. Would you reckon? Oh well, look, this is probably the, the the match probably of the championship. Well, I, I would I would reckon, you know, real neighbours. It's always a great battle between the two of them. Uh, yeah, they, they had big wins in the last match against Finbars and Plunkett's. Uh, hard to really judge them, you know. I suppose Vincent's were a bit more impressive, but it was very bad weather, you know, like it was very, the, the, the conditions were very poor. Kieran's, yeah, they have a new play, uh, couple of new players in. Uh, Kieran's very impressive, one of the midfielders, a uh, couple of forwards. Billy Ryan playing corner forward, great minor. Doing well, Vincent's. Uh, yeah, lost. Uh, I think they lost uh, McBride to a straight red uh, in, in, the, in the first match. Uh, so I don't know whether he, he, I'd be surprised. He, I don't think he'd be playing in that match. So he'd be a bit of a loss. But I think it, that's a very hard one to call, like because it's like it's like it's a real derby, and you know you, you know what derbies can happen. Like you know, anything can happen in derby. But I think I'll just go for Vincent's on that one. 
And my thanks as ever to Andy for joining me on the show. We will, of course, have updates from those games that are taking place at the moment. That's uh, Croaks and O'Toole's, Jude's Kula and Plunkett's against Nathan Barra just before 8 o'clock. Now, it was a good weekend for the Dublin Intermediate Camogie team. They beat Carlo to retain their status in Division 2 for next year's Littlewoods Ireland National Camogie League. And earlier on this evening, Suzanne caught up with the Secretary of Dublin Camogie, Brandon Cooper, to get his view on that game and all of the other goings-on in Camogie in the county. The match that we were waiting for for a couple of weeks and the, the Dublin and Carlo game great achievement and it, it was one of the toughest games and one of the most I'd say apprehension going into it how they were going to come out through Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right on, on a few different counts uh, Suzanne because as I mentioned there last week <clears throat> this was our biggest game of the season for, for this Division 2 side because you know it, it's a winner take all sort of scenario and I suppose as the match turned out on, on uh, Sunday the, the girls started off I have to say very nervously yeah. Um, because they, they just it took them a time even though we were well on top we weren't translating that into actual scores Yeah. and come half time from memory I think it was we were probably one six to six points up now I say we, we did have the line share to play but you know that wasn't translated onto the scoreboard so in essence Carlo were absolutely still in with a shout uh, when, when they turned into the second half of that there's no doubt whatsoever I think it basically we, we, we spoke about the nerves there last week about the fact that it was a relegation game. I think that was very obvious for the first 30 minutes um, of Sunday's game. Uh, whatever Frank said in the dress room at, at halftime seemed to have the desired effect because they, they, they kind of just played the way that I know they, they can play. Um, and they came out in the second half. And I think we held, at the end of the day, we held Carlos scoreless. They failed to score in the second half. And we tacked on another... 210 I think it was 316 or 216 yeah. six points at the end uh, at the end so it was a probably a fair result a fair, a fair reflection on the on the amount of play that we had throughout the 60 minutes but you know if one were to look at that match if the, if you just walked in at half time you would say mm, there's a lot to play for in, in, in the second half and and there could have been if we, if we didn't up our game at, at that stage yeah but thankfully because it would have been a terrible thing for us to finish, uh, to be relegated and go back down to Division 3 because that's not in the, in the in the overall plan as far as Dublin Camogie are concerned. So it was vitally important that they got this kind of game out of the way. And that's, well, OK, it's, it's not the end of the world. OK, we avoid the relegation, but at least it gives us a platform from which we can kind of uh, go forward for both Leinster Championship and, and our, our All-Ireland series later in the year. So yeah. it wasn't a bad start in that respect. Well, that was the thing, and that was what... You, it was the team just going backwards, that at least now they'll start again with an even keel and they can move forwards from this position. Yeah, it, it, it's a valid point, Suzanne, because you know you, you can't beat the, the, the winning habit now. To say, now, I know one, you know, one match doesn't does make a season, or one swallow doesn't make a season. But at least they go forward with a little bit of confidence now at this yeah, stage. It was a crucial match. That there was a uh, loss uh, riding on them. From a psychological point of view, yeah. uh, Suzanne, if, if nothing else, because if we were to lose that match there on Sunday, it was put us on, on the back foot. Of, that's no doubt. And, and now you're playing from fear and as opposed to playing with confidence. Uh, that's, so it, it, so we, we, we got the desired result on the day. Yeah. Um, overall, it was a very good performance. First half, as I say, a bit so-so, but certainly on the... Uh, the second half performance, we, 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 it says gave us a good platform for which to kind of move forward later in the year, Suzanne. So yeah. that, that was the main, main, main and most important aspect of, of Sunday's game. And quite a comfortable score as well. I know that you mentioned that at the first half was completely different to the second, but they were able to 
to comfortably yeah. win over Carlo. Yeah, I mean, basically, once they, they kind of just kind of got rid of their inhibitions and their fear of losing, and that, that's basically what it was, their, their fear of losing, that they weren't actually playing cohesive camogie. Whereas the second half, I'm sure Frank said, listen, you know, we've had the lion's share of the play. We haven't, that hasn't translated on, onto the board. Just kind of relax, play your normal game. And that's exactly what they did. They just they played without fear in the second half. I think that's the, the total difference between that and the first half. No fear in the second half. And as a consequence, they kind of, they, well, they, they, they dominated the, the Carroll to the extent that Carroll never registered a score um, of any description, either from play or from a, from a free ball in the second half. So that was the, the measure of the superiority that we had over Carroll on Sunday. So it was... It was kind of a, you know, glad to get that game out of the way. It's gone, it's dusted, and we can move forward from here. Yeah. And looking forward now, the Leinster Championship, is that coming up soon? Yeah, that, that comes up next month, Suzanne, because they won't have too, too long to, to rest on the laurels. Now, I suppose a lot of the county girls now will have a number of league matches between now, a number of club league matches between now and uh, the actual semi-final of the championship, which is on the 11th of May or thereabouts. So they, they won't be lacking in Camogie. So they, they, they'll have their, their clubs go back to, then they'll have a little bit of a break when they prepare for the Leinster Championship. And hopefully this game, last game on Sunday, plus the club games that they will have had uh, with, their, with their clubs, will stand them in, in good stead when they win. Because I think it's um, it's pretty clear from memory, if I'm not mistaken. And in theory, that's a very winnable match for us now at this stage. Yeah. So again, important that we get the opportunity of going into it's actually a Leinster quarterfinal. I beg your pardon, Suzanne. A Leinster quarterfinal. There are more teams in Division Two than there are in Division One, hence the quarterfinal. But it's 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 a nice. If there was ever a nice fixture to get, well then Kildare is certainly not the worst case scenario. So if they can manage to get a victory against Kildare, it'll set them up fairly nicely. Again, a bit more confidence. That's, that's all they're lacking at the moment, uh, Suzanne, is, is a confidence aspect. Brilliant. And then over the weekend as well, the Under-16 Camogie Championship was on for Leinster and uh, Dublin won 18 to Wexford's 2-6. Great, great win there for yeah, Dublin. It, 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 I suppose we, we spoke about this briefly last week, Suzanne, it, and as I suggested last week, it, on all known form, we, we, we should we should beat Wexford and it truly turned out that way. Um, halftime score was 112-01 to in our favour. Um, again, we had a lot of the Lions' share of, of possession. Probably missed a few scores now at that stage, and it was probably obvious that uh, Wexford at some stage were going to have a, a little bit of uh, a kind of a period of dominance, and that's exactly the way it turned out because uh, Wexford scored two goal, two quick goals um, in the second half, and that put a little bit of respectability on it. We were never in danger of losing this uh, match, and we were always comfortably ahead. And even though Wexford. Uh, produced two goals in quick succession. It didn't really stop the momentum as such. It just put, put a, probably a better picture on the scoreline from a, from a Wexford perspective. But we were happy. We, we emptied out the bench. We were keen to see what some of our fringe players could look like because we do realise that there were bigger matches to come for this particular game. Notably, uh, a Leinster final against Kilkenny on the 5th of May, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So it was an ideal opportunity for, you know, once the match was won, uh, to kind of blood some, some additional players in in the second half, uh, players that may not have may may not always get a game uh, if the first fifteen were were fit. But so yeah. uh, from that perspective, it was a great opportunity for for these selectors to kind of give some quality game time to the players, and that will stand to them if they ever have to be you know called upon again that they they won't be coming in colder, wondering yeah. what they have to do now at this stage. So it it was. 
was all about just kind of getting this match out of the way because looking at the we played Kilkenny in the group stage match the previous week and I think I mentioned last week it was a cracking match up from two superb teams I have to say so basically the victory against uh, Wexford on um, Sunday coupled with uh, Kilkenny's victory over Offaly uh, put Dublin and Kilkenny back into a Leinster final now on the 5th of May down in Ferns and that's a match that you know is, is I'm looking, really looking forward to that match. There was so little between the two teams uh, in, the, <coughs> pardon me, in the group stages of, of the competition that, you know, whoever brings their A game to on the 5th of May is going to come out victors of. That is no doubt. But if you're asking to call it, and even if I put my double hat on, I still wouldn't be confident enough to call it because there was so little between the two teams originally. And both teams had full-strength teams out at the same time. So it's whoever kind of mentally prepares better I'd say between now and the 5th of May will probably be come out victories on the day so hopefully it's from a Dublin perspective it's it's just a kind of a better kind of three weeks lead into this match but time will tell but it, it'll be worth going a long way to see this pick the match Suzanne. Brilliant Well look we're looking forward already to May and Leinster Championships and everything are coming up pretty quick what are the seniors doing at the moment preparing? Well, basically, Suzanne, uh, at this moment in time, they, they'll also be in a, they, they have a semi-final of the Leinster Championship on the 11th of May. And again, as, as applied to our Division 2 team, um, those players will be out in club action between now over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, so it'll be no different to our Division 2 team, um, except our Division 1 team has Kilkenny in a semi-final, which is probably a lot... You know, it's it's a more difficult task than the Division Two team have against Kildare. That uh, Kildare, of that is no doubt. So I think Frank will be will, number one. Will, will be hoping that the, his players come through the next couple of league matches, sub league matches, uninjured, mm. and to give him a full strength pound going back into the into the Kilkenny match on the 11th of May. He will probably take a little bit of a break in the in the lead up to the Leinster Leinster because we we have Kilkenny at home. We're hoping to get Parnell Park, and that will be a big bonus for us if if we can get the the nod from the GAA to actually stage the match in Parnell Park. Um, and I think that we're quite confident that we you know that we could pull it up to Kilkenny and get into a, a, a Leinster final. That that would be our short term ambition, Suzanne. And once we get that out of the way, then we can concentrate on the All Ireland. But I say Frank is not looking any further than the 11th of May at this stage and hoping that his scales come through unscathed over the next uh, week or so. And our thanks as ever to Brendan for joining us on the show. Now from Camogie to Ladies Football, Dublin are in Lidl National League semi-final action this weekend. They're taking on Cork, a team they lost to quite recently, although I'd imagine there will be uh, changes to the team for this weekend's clash down in Nolan Park. It throws in at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon and recently Suzanne caught up with selector Serka Farley to see how preparations were going for the match. Sorka, thank you very much for joining me on the programme. No problem. Well, look, it was a busy weekend and a little bit disappointing for Dublin. But before we kind of talk about the game and stuff, tell me, how was everyone feeling going into the game against Cork? Um, everyone was feeling good. You know, we've um, we've had a busy few weeks and I suppose we did a two-week gap from after the Galway game and everyone had trained well and they'd had club games the weekend before. So people were and a couple of people were getting, you know, again, getting an opportunity um, and everyone was looking forward to the game. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of preparations were going into the game? Uh, probably the same as as usual. Yeah, that's it. Um, I suppose, as I was saying, they had their first club game. So I, it was good for some of the girls to get, you know, that mightn't have got 
full matches with ourselves to go back and get a full yeah. game with our club. So that was a good, a good thing. And you know, we trained well the week last week as well. Yeah, and talk me through the game itself. How did it go? Um, I suppose you know, obviously, when any time lose is disappointing, but um, I suppose we were probably most disappointed with it, with our performance. I mean, that's. You know what we always say. It's it's you know if you win that's great, but it's the performance on the day, and we just felt, you know, you know in, in patches we played well, but overall I suppose the intensity level wasn't what's required. You know when you're playing the caliber of Cork. Yeah, yeah. And how how did the game go? How were you feeling during the game? Um, well, I suppose you know like we both. We both were missing some, you know, some Key some players. big names. Yeah. They were as well as ourselves. And as I say, there was there was patches where we were pleased. I mean, we started quite well, and then you know they got into the game, and then I felt we recovered well. Um, and in the second half, like we came back quite strongly, but then we let them back in again, and I suppose that was disappointing, you know, and some of some of the the players that came on and and some that started their just their intensity level wasn't what was required um mm-hmm. you know and I know you know people say about the journey and that but every team has that so you know we would have been we would have been disappointed with that um the most I suppose just our own performance and our own intensity levels yeah yeah and coming up for the next game, the semi-final, we're up against Cork again. How, That's right. Yeah. How? What are you? What? What are you going to be working on between now and meeting them again? Well, I suppose we we we're going to you know we look at the at the video and and analyze that game and and look at the areas that we weren't happy with, and then focus focus with them on the training pitch. I mean, the girls themselves were disappointed so I mean we don't we don't need to tell them that they know that themselves and we expect a, a reaction to that um, you know as, like I saw Mick had said after the game you know that, that'll have hurt the girls you yeah. know because Cork are, are such a quality team and you know to, to lose to them will be will be very disappointing for the girls and we'd hope to see a reaction now on, on the training field and we'll as I say, we look at the video and, and focus in on what we think we need to, you know, and just focus on our performance and what mm. we need to work on. Yeah. And somebody had said to me, I think, last week on the show that maybe Dublin, maybe Cork won't be putting their, their A game on the pitch that day. So because they, they would be meeting them again in the semifinals or finals. Do you think yeah. this was the case for either of the teams? Like it was, and it was, it was. I mean, we were missing. We were missing some some of our bigger names, but they were equally. Yeah. Um, and I suppose you know, as 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 we've said all through the league, you know, Mick would be a firm believer of trialing girls, and he feel you know the, yeah. the best way is against the top opposition. Um, so I suppose you know, like I suppose one thing we saw on Sunday that Cork have have unearthed a few new players. I mean, they've. They've won three minor All Irelands in the last few years. They've some massive talent coming through, and they're they're breeding that into their team this year. And you know, there's some really, really high quality players, new girls playing that will be there. You know, I would I would say in the semi final and going in in the summer, like they're going to be they're very, going to be a very, very tough team to beat. 
Yeah, yeah. And without even looking towards the summer, focusing now on the next game, what what kind of changes or what kind of preparation, will there be anything new kind of brought into them at this stage? Um, I suppose, as, no, as I was saying, like, we'll do, we just, we'll go back, I suppose, as a management team over over the match and and look at what we weren't pleased with yeah. and just focus in on that and, and our own preparation and performance, you know, and touch wood, we'll have everybody back and, you know, we'll, we'll have a good week and a half training and just, you know, it's great, as we keep saying, it's great to be in a semi-final of a National League. It's another game, you know, there is a long break then to the Championship, so the longer that we're playing these matches against such top opposition, the better it is for us. Yeah. And is there anything you'll be doing to kind of bring them back and keep morale up and and not to look back at the last game to move them and look forward? Yeah, like I think I, they're a very our group, they're a very experienced bunch, you know, and they they'll know themselves what they need to do and they'll bounce back. We won't like we won't over focus. We'll just look at what we need to work on and yeah. And you know, as I say, it's it's a great it's a great thing to be. We won't have to raise morale. You know, it's a great thing to be focused in on preparing for a semi final. You know, we could be out of the league, but yeah. we're not. We're we're in a semi final, and the girls won't need they won't need any motivation. You know, I know they'll come to training this week now, hungry and <laughs> and looking forward to next week. 